You hear me okay? All right. Well, first of all, thank you all. Uh, welcome parents, PTA members, everyone here for a really special night to uh, honor our Reflections Award of Excellence winners. Uh, we're excited to all be together and we're really <coughs> excited to recognize the work of these talented kids in the back of the room. Thank you for whoever did that. Um, my name's Lori Stanziola. I'm the chair for the Reflections program uh, through Shawnee Mission Area Council PTA, SMAC PTA. And uh, I have the great honor of getting to see all the work that wins at the school level and get that judged and uh, determine our winners for tonight. Um, before I go too far, I want to recognize some of the people that are here helping us tonight um, and that is, have helped me make this um, program work. First of all, Dee Wright. She is the um, SMAC PTA citizenship chair, but she is also kind of my partner in crime every step of the way. And she's responsible for getting our medals tonight and also for the refreshments you guys will enjoy afterwards. So thank you. Um, Tash Davis is somewhere around here. She might be outside, actually. Um, she, where's Tash? Thank you, way in the back, yes. Um, she's the P, SMAC PTA co-chair, coach, or, uh, excuse me, co-president, rather, and she is also a secretary here at the Center for uh, Academic Achievement and has been vital in helping us get the space secured and doing things like proofing our program and um, just making sure everything runs smoothly. So thank you, Tash. <laughs> and then up front, we have Dr. Michael Fulton and uh, president of the um, Board of Education, Brad Stratton, who are going to help us with presenting the medals tonight. Thank you. And then finally, all the Board of Education um, representatives that are here, they came early, they're gonna um, be with us tonight to celebrate this, so thanks so much. <laughs> I wanted to make a few really quick announcements. First of all, um, after the medal presentations, we are going to be um, pausing up here to take a picture with the Board of Education and all the students who uh, have won an award and um, a quick group shot. And then what we do is we actually retire to the lobby and that's where we'll enjoy some light refreshments. Um, also wanted to mention it's a great opportunity to take family pictures with your winners. Uh, there's a lovely green wall, the living wall, uh, that's a great backdrop for family pictures. So I encourage you to celebrate that way. Um, another thing, as, as happened last year, um, Last year was the first year we actually moved our presentation or our exhibit of all the work here to the Center for Academic Achievement, and it's been a great venue, um, both in terms of really making it accessible to a lot of the district and also uh, just celebrating the great work and making sure it stays up and, and visible to a lot of the community. Um, I'm excited to say that we're actually, normally we take everything down tonight, but today we're not gonna do that because the district, the Shawnee Mission District is celebrating their 50th anniversary. So we're actually gonna leave all the work up. They, they've asked us to have the reflections um, work all available for that celebration as well. So that's exciting. Uh, eventually you will get everything back. Uh, it'll just be a little bit later, so. And then 
Finally, um, we have um, a new, uh, new, new prize this year for our Award of Excellence winners. It's a um, customized journal, and it's um, something that we hope here, Dee will, Dee's going to hand them out, and she's kind of showing you what it looks like. And it's so, hopefully something that will allow the kids to continue to capture all their creative thoughts and ideas. So we're excited about that. I will. And then finally, um, we'll give a special thanks to all the local reflections chairs in all the schools. I know some of you guys are here. Some of the, you have award winners, so congratulations on that. But... Uh, parents and students, be sure to thank that Reflections Chair in your school because without them, we would not have any of this. So thank you so much for that. Okay, now to get started. Um, on the cover of the journal is a quote from Maya Angelou, and it says, you can't use, use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. And what we hope is that this is inspiring to all the creative students being honored tonight because we are truly inspired by you. So let's start with a video collage of all the work um, of our Award of Excellence winners.
from me now. Um, nothing. I just, um, I just like, well, I want to apologize, um, for I'm saying. Go away. This isn't time for pranks. Oh, and tell Riley the next time I see her. No, Riley isn't with me. She is, she and Liz, when she's giving me, I'm, I just, I'm sorry about what happened today. I really do, like, you really do look really pretty with your new stuff. now to honor each of our recipients. We're going to start with dance choreography. And um, in the primary division, we have Harlow Bivens. <laughs> and uh, Claire Martin for intermediate division. Oh, yeah, everyone, please stay up. Sorry. And Molly McCracken could not be here with us tonight, so. For film production excellence, we have Ellie Burgess, intermediate. Olivia Garza, 
Middle School. Ashley Naiman, high school. For excellence, excellence in literature in the primary division, Emma Hobick. Brendan Few in the intermediate. Lachlan Smith could not be with us tonight, our middle school winner. And I don't know if Emmett Liljegren, yes, Emmett in the high school division. For excellence in music composition, Jiha Bavsar, primary. Reagan Schneider, intermediate. Isha Bobsar, middle school. And Andrew Schnacki, high school. For excellence in photography, primary, Katie Barnes, Delaney Luttrell, intermediate, Oliver Whitman will not be with us tonight, um, but we have Nia Duvall High School. And our final division is visual arts. Um, is Lauren Watts here? Or it should be Eleanor Watts, actually. She was running a little late. Is she here? No? Okay. Uh, in primary, we have Nixon Katzenmeyer. Ari Connor, intermediate. Nicole Kahn, middle school. And Olivia Downey, high school. Please join me in one more round of applause for all the Award of Excellence students. Great job. Yeah. While they're lining up for a picture, because I want to be efficient, I also want to um, mention one more thing, that next year's theme is I Matter Because. So. Everyone can start thinking about that. Do you hear that, kids? Next year's theme, I matter because.
As you guys are taking pictures, Dee just wanted me to mention that in the video, that, um, which also will be available on the SMAC website in a little while, um, know that unless it's accompanying one of the videos or the dance numbers, that music is original to um, our award-winning students. So it's, it's pretty impressive. All right. We good? All right, we'll head out to the lobby and enjoy some refreshments and take some pictures. Thank you so much for coming again. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. And welcome to our Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education, our regular board meeting of January 13th, 2020. Our first item on the agenda is the Pledge of Allegiance, and we invite forward students from Pawnee Elementary to help us with the pledge. Please rise. Thank you. Well done. Mr. Green, would you like to introduce our guest tonight? Good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm Justin Green, principal at Pawnee. Um, and since we're at a uh, meeting of elected officials, I invited the Pawnee Student Council uh, elected officials here this evening uh, to say the pledge. So, kids, if you'll turn and introduce yourselves to everyone. Can they go to the microphone? Yeah. How about that? Come on over, kiddos. I want to bend the microphone down just a bit. There you go. I'm Mason Bowman, and I'm in sixth grade. I'm Alex McGrenolds, and I'm in sixth grade. I'm Lydia Parton, and I'm in sixth grade. I'm Genesis Hernandez, and I'm in sixth grade. I'm Bella Mahaffey, and I'm in fifth grade. <coughs> I'm Olivia Griffith, and I'm in third grade. I'm Maya Lowen, and I'm in fourth grade. I am Leo Springer, and I'm in third grade. Good job, kids. Thank you, everyone. Great job. Seeing as this is the first meeting of the new calendar year, our first item after the pledge is the uh, oath of office for each of the board members that were elected or re-elected to office. So we'll have board members come forward to take the oath. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I do solemnly swear Swear. That I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Kansas and faithfully discharge the duties of a Board of Education member for Unified School District 512. So help me God. Congratulations. Thank you. Next item on our agenda is item 1.04, and it's the adoption of this evening's agenda, and I'll seek a motion to adopt. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor of adopting the agenda, please say aye. I'm going to pause and have the new board members turn on their mics for the very first time. 
Here we go. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And all those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. You're off and running. <laughs> uh, the next item is item 2.01, and this is organizational meeting. This is um, election of our board officers. Um, for those of you that are trying to follow along these uh, twists and turns of the legislative changes over the last couple of years, um, normally we do our uh, officer elections in, in July, all years previously, but this past July we op opted to extend an additional six months so that we could elect the, board elect the officers when the new board members were seated. And so it is time to do that. And I will read the process as defined in our school district's board manual, and then we'll proceed with the elections. Um, citizens of the school district who are elected to the Board of Education are obligated, whoops, I'm gonna jump down. Seven members of the Board of Education elect the board president and vice president at the organizational meeting. Any member of the board may nominate any member of the board, including him or herself, to serve as the president or vice president. It is the responsibility of the elected board members to fairly and impartially evaluate themselves and other board members to serve as board officers. In addition to their legal responsibility, board officers represent the board and the district to the public and shall always present the best interest of the district ahead of, ahead of any individual interests. The current president shall preside over the initial portion of the organizational meeting to elect officers of the board. Immediately following the election, the newly elected board president shall assume office and preside over the remainder of the meeting. The remaining statute officers for positions will continue to be elected, and tonight we will be doing president, vice president, and the uh, SMAC PTA representative. And I will jump down to voting will be conducted by written ballot, which is distributed and collected by the board clerk. A written ballot is to contain the names of all board members nominated for the office. Board members who participate remotely in such a manner shall do so if they can be heard in the proceedings and can be clearly heard by the other attendees. Each board member may cast one vote or may abstain. A vote of abstention is a no vote and will be recorded as part of the total. Once all votes have been cast and submitted to the board clerk, the board clerk will then read the ballot, including the name of the voting board member and the vote cast. To be elected, a, a candidate must receive four or more of the votes cast by the board members then in office and present for voting. A candidate can withdraw at any time for a subsequent vote. And we're dark. Someone lean on a button? There you go. Thank you. <laughs> The election of board president, vice president shall follow the same procedure as described above. Board officers shall serve a term of one year or until a successor is elected. Officers are not term limited. And with that, um, we have a process where board members were asked to submit in writing uh, nominations. And uh, the nominations forms were turned in to me as the president and uh, we now will vote on those that were nominated. And we have one nomination for president. Mrs. Owsley has been nominated. So the first thing I'll do is ask Mrs. Owsley, would you be willing to be considered for a candidate as the board president? I am. All right, thank you. And I'll turn to other board members. Are there any other nominations from the board? Being none, I will ask for a vote of acclamation. <laughs> Consensus. Consensus. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And those opposed, nay. Congratulations. The new board president is Heather Owsley. Okay, on that note, we have a similar situation with the position of Vice President. Um, the individual nominated is Dr. Sinclair. And so I will ask you, Dr. Sinclair, are you willing to serve as Vice President? Um, I am. Okay, and I will also ask for a vote of consensus 
um, for Dr. Sinclair, our vote of acclamation. Can, can I ask for a, um, I actually have a point of clarification, I guess, I don't know. Um, sure. Point of clarification. Um, is there, so um, the, when, in, because we've established all these um, committees, uh, which I don't think we had in recent history, we have had some conversations about um, distributing or sharing leadership across the board on some of these committee appointments. And so I, I do want to serve as vice president, and I think it would be helpful to understand, or maybe it, do we have a clear <coughs> consensus on what committees, if we want to continue with that, that we want to share or kind of distribute leadership. So president and vice president would not serve on certain committees. And if that would impact mine, it might be good to know that now so that if next board meeting we need to address that, we should not. So this isn't something Brad and I have discussed, but it is my understanding that with the subcommittees, it is uh, the board president's discretion to appoint. And um, at the moment, the two subcommittees would be the um, facilities and finances committee and then the policy committee and there is an opening on the policy committee with um, Deb no longer being here so that needs to be filled by someone already and then with regards to distribution of workload I hadn't discussed with anybody yet as to whether or not that was something that wanted to be picked up so if you're curious as to whether or not you would still be on the subcommittee on policy specifically um, I think there's a potential for that because it's within the discretion of the president um, and it's not something I necessarily anticipated. Okay. Um, I wasn't coming in to strip anybody of any assignments. I was just more yeah, who no, is I willing and available to see. I, wasn't, I, wasn't gonna, I was going in the direction of if we need to think about that for next week, yeah. do we need to talk about Because there's also the legislative committee, which mm -hmm. I'm serving on, and the KSB. Right. And then Dis when you become vice president, you're the ex officio member for SMAF. So it will, I think, probably necessitate some shakeup of workload so that you're not carrying that amount. But And I'm happy to, yeah. I, but I, it may just be a, yeah. who wants to say not it on a particular committee and who is willing to step up to serve there. Okay. Does that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we don't want to put you with all of the assignments, Mary. I just wanted to I kind of felt like I needed to get that on the table. Okay, are there any other nominations for a vice president at this juncture? Okay. Seeing none, um, all those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? None? Well, congratulations, Mary. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Welcome Thank aboard, you. everyone. Um, Brad and I discussed briefly giving the new board members and maybe even the old members a moment to just say something. Um, so we'll start with the newly elected members and give you an opportunity to speak. Um, I guess we can start on this end and work our way over. Um, Sarah, do you have anything you'd like to say this evening? Um, other than I'm just proud and honored to continue my service to the board and representing the North Area students, patrons, teachers, administrators, and I'm looking forward to working with this group. Thank you. Jessica? 
I have more to say since it's my first time being sworn into elected office. I just want to thank all of you for wel welcoming so, me so much to the board. Um, I'm really honored to be part of the Shawnee Mission School District's board. I especially would like to take this opportunity to thank Deb Zila and Patty Mack, who are not here, for the service that they gave. Um, one of my first priorities after the election was to visit every school in the Shawnee Mission South feeder pattern, which I did. And I heard time and time again how Deb showed up for everything, um, which I'm greatly appreciative of. And also, I spent a lot of time lowering people's expectations. Um, I have three kids up here, and I think they don't want me going to every single event in the district over the next four years. But So I'm, I'm very appreciative of everything she did. Um, I'd also like to thank everyone on this dais for just being here. I think... I sort of theoretically understood what a sacrifice it is to run and um, what courage it takes to run until I actually did it myself. And now I have just an incredibly profound sense of gratitude for everyone here and out in the community who took the time to actually run for elected office. It takes some, some serious guts. So um, I very much expect to be on a big learning curve over the next year. Um, I pride myself on asking not only the right questions, but lots of questions. So thank you to Dr. Fulton and so many others who've been gracious as I've done that even just over the last couple of months. Um, and I would be re remiss not to thank some of the people who helped on my campaign. My treasurer is out there. Um, my husband and three kids are out there. I had to break the news to them that I don't get to call snow days. So <laughs> some disappointment right out of the gate there. Um, and finally, I would like to thank all of you in this room. Um, I know that a lot of folks in this room and watching are teachers who are here because you are watching the negotiations closely. Um, I very much feel the weight of joining this board at this point in time in our history. Um, and I want you all to know that I understand and appreciate the time and energy you've put into being here to represent not only yourselves and your profession, but also what you think is best for your students. And I don't want that to go unsaid, that um, the engagement that you're offering here and the engagement that you continue to offer is what makes our district wonderful. So at no point do I want to convey that I don't appreciate you all being here. So I invite and hope for the, the grace and dialogue and curiosity that it's going to take for me to do this job well. And I offer that back to everyone in this room who cares enough to be here on a cold Monday night. Thank you. And Jamie, you're up. Well, I want to give some um, shout-outs, uh, first and foremost, to Patty Mack, who s sat in the seat for 12 and a half years representing the Northwest area and representing all the children of Shawnee Mission School District. She's been a fabulous mentor, and I just can't thank her enough for her years of service. Um, I also want to thank my mom and dad for being here. They told me they were not going to drive in from Topeka. They said they were going to stay home and watch it online and pop popcorn, uh, but they surprised me tonight. So thank you, Mom and Dad. I love you guys. Um, also want to thank my family sitting in the front row, my sweet husband, Craig, who is my rock, uh, my daughter, Piper, who's a sophomore at Shawnee Mission Northwest, my son, Brooks, who is in eighth grade at Trail Ridge Middle School, who's turning red. <laughs> And my daughter, Presley, who's in sixth grade at, um, at Krista McAuliffe Elementary. And um, you guys make me want to make this world a better place. 
so thank you. Um, I also have the greatest friends a girl could ask for. Many of them are here tonight. Um, my treasurer, Brandon Jackson, is here. So many of my friends who helped with my campaign and um, just were really my sounding board and just really helped me to remember um, to put kids first. Um, I also want to thank Devin Wilson for continuing to be engaged and his friendship has meant so much to me and I am so grateful that he, he is still showing up. It means the world to me. Um, also, thank you to the voters of Shawnee Mission. This is all about kids. We're here for kids. We're here to do the right thing for kids and I'm here to be a voice on the school board for kids. Um, periodically I ask for signs, am I doing the right thing, is this where I should be, and um, today when I was out and about, um, I bumped into a young woman who was my former CASA kid, and CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate, and um, this little girl when she was little, she's not little anymore, um, but when I knew her as a CASA volunteer, um, it just is so fitting that I saw her today. Um, she was used as a punching bag by her dad. And um, I asked her how she got through it, and she said it was because of her teacher. Her teacher saw her. So please know, teachers, that I have the utmost respect for you, and I thank you for all that you do every single day for all kids. Um, I just want to conclude um, and read something by Maya Angelou. This is kind of how I'm approaching this board and how I sort of approach life. Um, she said, I've learned that whenever I decide something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I've learned that even when I have pains, I don't have to be one. I've learned that every day you should reach out and touch someone. People love a warm hug or just a friendly pat on the back. I've learned that I still have a lot to learn. I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Thank you, Shawnee Mission. Mr. Stratton. I want to say thank you to all those that uh, decided I should do this another term. Um, I'm more than honored to do it. It's a volunteer role that each of us spend an incredible amount of time serving on this district. And many of us have been doing this well before our service on this board. That's how we began to become in, in, uh, interested in this role. I guess I can't help but note that this is a pretty important time in our history. And certainly we've been wrapping up um, 50 years of the Shawnee Mission School District history, but uh, I couldn't help but notice that uh, in my short four years on the board, we uh, had an election two years ago and we had three board members that uh, stepped down from the board that had served 24 years, 20 years, and 20 years. And then in this past election, we've had two board members that stepped down and served 12 years and 12 years. We now are a board that five of the seven of us have served less than two years. And with Mrs. Goodburn at eight years and mine at four years, we are a very young, new board. But I'm very confident that we're the board that can help take, begin to mold the next 50 years. And I couldn't help but think uh, after that incredibly crazy football game last night that uh, perhaps team is the word that I'll use. Um, we're already gelling as a team. We've had great dialogues, great conversations. We're working together. And uh, as a team of seven, I look forward to the next year. Thank you. Um, 
before we move on really quick, um, since Mary was just elected as vice president, I was elected as president, I was going to go ahead and give us just a second an opportunity to say something, but I don't want to skip Laura. Um, Reverend Guy, if you would like to reiterate why it was that you ran for the board and were seated this evening, I'd be happy to allow you the opportunity to do so. That's fine. No, that's no you're good? Okay. Just didn't want to have everybody get a chance to say something and you not. So, <laughs> so Dr. Sinclair, if you would like to say anything upon being elected vice president. Um, I'll be brief. I'm just looking forward to um, participating in kind of the leadership role, supporting you and supporting Dr. Fulton as we move forward in implementing the strategic plan. I think we have a lot on our plate and a, um, uh, um, a very powerful vision, and it's going to take a lot of teamwork, to borrow Brad's kind of motto there, um, to move us forward and make those decisions that will allow us to um, put all the resources in place and the priorities that we've articulated as a community. So I look forward to being a part of that process. Thank you. Um, and I'm just going to say something very brief as well. When I stepped up to be vice president a year and a half ago, um, one of the understandings is that when you serve in the capacity as vice president that you then um, learn a little bit about the role of what it means to be president so that you are able, should your board concur on such a thing, to step into the role of presidency um, in due time. Had I known a year and a half ago the exact moment in the timing and context of what it would be like stepping into the role of president, I likely would have had a significant deal of hesitation in accepting the responsibility of vice president. I think that we are at a fairly monumental time for the district, certainly much more monumental than I ever would have anticipated a year and a half ago. So I want you to know that I don't take this lightly, and I do it with a tremendous amount of trepidation and a tremendous amount of concern that I do it to the best of my abilities and also knowing that I will most likely upset a significant no number of people in this role. So I will just say that I'm doing it because I do truly love the Shawnee Mission School District. Um, it's where I was raised from kindergarten up as they described it during the steering committee process for the strategic plan. I am a Shawnee Mission lifer. My husband's a Shawnee Mission lifer. We have three kids in the district right now just scheduled the middle school meeting for my son today, so that means next year I'll have one in elementary, one in middle, and one in high school, and that's the full gamut. So we will do the very best that we can, and I thank you in advance for your grace as we move through this. On that note, I'll move on to the regular meeting. 3.1, I will seek a motion to approve the minutes. So moved. Second. See? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. I seek a motion to approve 3-2. So moved. Second? Oh, that was Mary, Terry. All second. Thank you, Sarah. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And a motion to approve 3-3. Three, three. So moved. Second. And Sarah. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And that also was unanimous. And then we'll move on to 4-1, the superintendent report from Dr. Fulton. Okay, thank you very much, and congratulations to all of you. Also, thank of you, thanks, many thanks to those of you that are here tonight. We're glad that you're able to attend tonight's board meeting. We have lots of uh, good news to celebrate. 
On Wednesday, January 22nd, we will be celebrating 50 years as a unified school district with our Friends and Food event, which will be held from 5 to 8 p.m. here at the Center for Academic Achievement. There will be food created by alumni chefs for each of the different decades, like the TV dinner station uh, featuring lobster, lobster mac and cheese, Swedish meatballs, and their take on green bean casserole. We will have student performances throughout the night, and we invite all of you to join us for this milestone event. Tonight, it was an honor to recognize our PTA Reflection Award winners. Their artwork, literature, and photography is on display in the lobby. Congratulations to our honorees, and thank you for sharing your creative talent. We are so proud to recognize Horizon Award winner, Blake Fingelson, kindergarten teacher at Benninghoven. The Kansas Horizon Award program identifies and recognizes representatives of excellent teaching in the elementary and secondary classrooms of the state and is specifically for exemplary first year teachers who perform in a way that distinguishes them as outstanding. Blake is the Region 4 Elementary Award winner, and we congratulate her on this prestigious honor. Live student broadcasts of Shawnee Mission basketball games will begin this Friday, January 17th. The communications videographers work with students to produce all aspects of a live broadcast of the girls' and boys' varsity games. They produced three broadcasts for basketball season, and we will include a schedule in the board recap. Students in advanced concepts in our engineering signature program showcase their design projects in a trade show format at the conclusion of fall semester. This culminating activity features student projects produced using design software, which they have become proficient in, and received certification. Some of the projects included a functioning prosthetic finger designed in Fusion 360, a renovation of a house using Revit, and a standard vice for everyday use uh, designed using Inventor. So congratulations to those students. It was quite uh, impressive to see their inventions. A team of four Shawnee Mission seniors competed in a virtual reality hackathon before winter break. VROKCs, in other words, VROCs, sponsors the three-day event each semester for high school students. Last semester's problem was focused on improving athletes' hand-eye coordination. Our team placed third. Eleven teams competed, including one remotely from Kentucky and another one from Germany and the team plans to compete again this semester. So congratulations to those teams. Becky Tate was recognized as the Yearbook Advisor of the Year by the Journalism Education Association. This national award was presented by last year's winner from Pleasant Grove High School in Texarkana, Texas. Tate, a Shawnee Mission North graduate, has been teaching at Shawnee Mission North for 30 years. Her Shawnee Mission High School colleagues attended the announcement. Congratulations to Ms. Tate.
The school district hosted a Shawnee Mission School District Aquatic Center dedication ceremony with partners from Johnson County Parks and Rec, Recreation District, and the City of Lenexa in December. Currently, our high school boys and swim, uh, swim and dive season is underway at the Aquatic Center, and so I know it's been very exciting for our students to have that available for them to uh, uh, compete in. Our all-star November honoree was out of town, and we would like to invite Drew Lane, Executive Director of ICT, to recognize this all-star. <clears throat> Thank you, Dr. Fulton. I have the distinct pleasure of introducing Mr. Doug Von Mosty this evening. Doug has been employed with the school district for just shy of 19 years on the technology team. And as you can imagine, over the course of those many years, he's, he's worn several hats. Most recently, uh, Doug has worn the hat as the person responsible for all aspects of customer service in terms of how our department interacts with our internal customers, our employees and our students and whatnot. Um, in the six years that I've been here and worked with him, I've, I've come to know Doug as what I call a, a consummate professional. He's an individual that, deeps, that cares very deeply about the work that he does. He believes in the work that he does. Um, I could probably go on for a long time talking about Doug and saying very nice things about him, but that wouldn't be very fair because I believe we have a video and there are a number of other people who would like to say some very nice things about Doug as well. So at this time, if we could do that. Before this year, I didn't know Doug, and it just was amazing to have, one, his expertise there, but two, he's just a really humble person that is just willing to help anyone. He truly cares about people, and that comes through in his work. He's really good in, in the kinds of situations where people might already be amped up or keyed up a little bit about something's not working and they really needed to, those types of things. He's very good about being able to keep the calm and, and help people get through a situation. Doug is an all-star because he's always there for his customers, always there for his staff. He takes complex technical jargon and he's able to simplify it and make customers easily understand. You know, if they're a teacher, student, administrator, um, he finds a way to make it easy for us. One example I can think of when we were doing a Mosul Manager uh, Tech Thursday, I said, these are the issues that teachers are having. And he then created a Google Doc without even being prompted. He just created this document that teachers can use and easily read to understand the technology that's at their fingertips. Doug, as a person, he's easy to talk to, he's funny, and he's a, he's a parent. He understands the perspective of not only the IT side, but he also understands the perspective as a parent and, and what our students are experiencing. And you can talk to him about personal stuff, you can talk to him about family, you can talk to him about work, you can talk to him, he's just a really great guy. Doug, you are a steely-eyed rocket man, and I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Well-deserved and uh, very proud of you, Doug. Hey, congratulations, Doug, uh, on winning this uh, All-Star. Great job. Appreciate everything you do, sir. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do for us and the customers. Well deserved. I could not imagine anyone else more deserving of this award. Thank you for all you've done. Um, geez, the video. Thanks to the communication department for uh, making me look way cooler than I really am. <laughs> um, 
The, um, uh, you know, I had this mapped out pretty good what I was going to say, but that kind of took the words out of it there for me. So um, I'll really just say to have the staff that, that you serve and support each day, um, the very staff that are in the classrooms that are working in the classroom, in the building, um, hand in hand with those students, you know, one on one in, in many instances, day in and day out teaching and guiding those kids. To have them recognize you for something like this, um, it doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, really thank you. It, it, it's special, it's meaningful. Um, with that said, I, I'm not standing up here because of my own actions. Um, I'm part of a department of 52, 53 people, I think, we have in the ICT department. Um, many, many of those do the heavy lifting day in and day out uh, that make it possible for someone like me to stand up here uh, and accept recognition like this. So um, big shout out to the ICT folks. Uh, this is as much theirs as it is mine. So thank you. Congratulations again. Well, we missed our December meeting because of a snow day, so I'd like to invite Ryan Horn, principal at Broken Arrow, to the podium to recognize our December All-Star. Good evening. Uh, it is my honor and privilege to be here this evening uh, to introduce and recognize Mallory Mansour, first grade teacher at Broken Arrow Elementary School. Uh, since hiring Mallory in 2010 out of Emporia State, I've had the opportunity to watch her grow and develop as a teacher, become a wife, and later a mother twice. Uh, Mallory finds a balance to do all of these things exceptionally well. Mallory takes pride in doing things the right way. As a teacher, that means taking the time needed to plan instruction that engages and motivates her students to love learning. Time is committed to collaboration with grade level colleagues to constantly reflect on individual student progress, allowing for adjustments to be made to instruction uh, to better meet the needs of each of the learners in first grade. She is committed to making Broken Arrow better every day through modeling um, an upbeat attitude and empathy for her peers. Most recently, Mallory has provided building leadership in our equity training, uh, in which uh, we are focusing on reflecting to create an even better school culture at Broken Arrow. And with great pride and excitement, I get to introduce Mallory Mansour, an all-star in her own right, and definitely deserving of the honor to be recognized as the December Shawnee Mission School District All-Star. So congratulations to Mallory, and we're going to do the video first, right, before she comes up. Great job, Mrs. Mansour! Mrs. Mansour is kind and nice, and she gives us good, smart stuff that we need to do. And she is the kindest, nicest teacher in the whole wide world. Her kids know that, that they are authentically cared for, and it's just a happy place for them. So um, another thing that makes her exceptional is definitely um, her instruction. She is uh, solid with the explicit instruction, and she and her, her team are do a very effective job of really diving down to meet the needs of every student and then making it a fun experience. They work hard, but they play hard. 
as a person. She's amazing. She is very quick to form relationships and make people feel valued and cared about. And her students, every single student walks through the door and just knows she loves them. And it's the same with parents and staff members. She's very good at making them feel valued and loved. And she's just a bright light. Every time I walk by her classroom, she's always teaching with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of energy and a lot of excitement. And it's a real blessing for our students. So this is the progress we've got so far. It's just really just this genuine care for each kid, way beyond the academic needs, but the social emotional needs as well, really focusing on the whole child. And it just beams from her. You just know it immediately. Mallory is someone who I feel I look up to, uh, not only as a teacher, but as an individual. She's always willing to learn um, new things that are best for her students, and she's also willing to share them with us, which I always appreciate. She will send the extra note home. She will give them the extra hug if they need it. Um, anything from getting them to make sure they have breakfast in their bellies to what they can do to be pushed in the classroom. She is always there working as hard as she can. Nice, exciting to meet, and... He also looks, looks pretty. Way to go, Mrs. Mansour. You're very well deserving of this honor, um, and we're all privileged to be able to work with you. It's an honor to stand before you as a Shawnee Mission All-Star. <clears throat> I have a challenge um, for everyone in this room to start having more conversations about students' future stories. Every child that we come across, whether it's your own children, students in the classroom, asking them what inspires you. I feel like every child needs to believe that there, there is no limit to their dreams. The more conversations we're having with them, the more times we're asking them, what do you aspire to be when you're older? The more that I feel like they will think those things and those dreams are within reach. So I know this because when I grow up, I want to be Patrick Mahomes. Go Chiefs. <laughs> Thank you so much. Congratulations again, To present, here to present our other December All-Star, please welcome Todd Dane, Principal at Shawnee Mission South High School. Good evening. Uh, some of you may be aware and some of you may not be aware, but at Shawnee Mission South High School, we host our post-high school education program for 18 to 21 year old young adults uh, with special needs. And as part of that program, uh, we are proud to introduce Amy Higginbotham as the December All-Star and you're going to learn more about Amy in this video. She's gone in um, leading our students and problem solving with the, um, the chefs to allow our students to be 
fully integrated, um, and that's what we want. But I feel like Amy takes it a step further and then provides teachable moments um, when customers are present and does it in such a graceful way um, that I don't know that students always realize they're learning um, at the moment that she's um, really leading and instructing. She represents the whole personality of our, our bake shop in the morning, and it's great to have someone with bubbly personality that understands what uh, customer service is and that can relate that in a very special way to the students that she works with. Every single morning, she's a bright spot for anyone who walks in the door, and she's making sure things are right. But she does it in a way that the kids truly feel um, the accomplishment of what they're learning, and that is a special talent. She helps supervises us. Uh, like she's the one who always tries to have us work with the customers. They about having a pair like her. They don't judge you. They like you for who you are. You know. I also like how it's good to have a good laugh with her. She kind of reminds me of, of Dory from Finding Dory. You know. You're great. I'm counting my name. It all comes down to Amy's desire to um, build relationships with young people. I also believe that that's part of Amy's inherent nature, that, that she cares about individuals and, and makes that learning individualized for each one of them. You can put the steps of service on a piece of paper and no one would ever understand it. But being able to lead by example and those elements that Amy's able to, to portray and is definite building blocks for the rest of the future. She just does some really nice um, soft dialogue with the students, knowing when to intervene and, and when to back off. And people are just drawn to her personality and her calming sense and her friendliness and kindness and um, her, her empathetic nature towards others. And we definitely hit off really well. And I'm glad she got an award. You don't find someone like her every day. Congratulations, Amy. Gosh, that is every that video is everything. It says it just says it all. I just it is this is the greatest job. Um, I'm new as an employee to uh, the school district, but I've been a part of this school district uh, for many years because both of my boys went through the whole gamut: kindergarten to high school, graduated, and. Um, but this job is just such a blessing to me. Um, I can't even describe it. But I, I cannot go without saying what wonderful, wonderful teachers we have over at the Post High program. And it's such a wonderful program. And I'm so glad that this might give this a little bit of a light to the Post High program. So thank you very much. This, this means the world to me. Thank you. Congratulations again. President Alsey, that concludes my report. Good deal. Um, moving on to 4-2, board reports. Looks like I'm up first with the SMEF report, and I do not have one. So I will move on to Reverend Guy with the KSB Board of Directors report. This week is Advocacy in Action in Topeka. It's a day-and-a-half conference uh, that KSB sponsors, so I will be going all day Wednesday and Thursday morning and then Thursday afternoon will be the KASB Board of Directors meeting. So I'll be staying through that. So learning what I can, um, talking to legislators there and um, finding out kind of what's on their minds as well as what's on our minds for the upcoming legislative session. Great. Thank you. 
Um, Dr. Sinclair, another KSB update, but the Legislative and Government Relations Network one. So the, I will be attending the same um, conference um, with the, um, for advocacy and action. There are, no, there are no additional legislative committee meetings with KASB throughout the session, but they will stay in touch with updates that all of us can, and the general public can um, find on the KASB.org website. Thank you. Thanks. Um, and Ms. Goodburn, do you have anything for us with the Policy Review Committee? Um, just um, in general, we've um, been working through the board manual of updating that, so we should have that for everyone pretty soon to be able to look at and hopefully on an agenda pretty soon. That's my only update. Thank you. Um, 4-3, the board financial report, and I'll turn it over to Dr. Fulton. Okay, thank you very much. We're going to have uh, Russell Knapp, Chief Financial Officer, come forward, and he's going to provide the monthly board financial report. Yes, good evening. These are the board reports from November. Since we were canceled in December, they just got pushed back a month. Um, so again, this is uh, for the first five months of our fiscal year. We continue to track our substitute costs. It's still running higher at this point than it was last year, approximately about $75,000. So it's trending to be over budget at this time. Uh, again, we still have about six months to go on that. Um, but on a good note, um, utilities and student transportations are all are trending a little bit less than budget at this time. So let's hope for a good winter and uh, maybe those utilities will hold out. Um, that's really all. I'll have the report on the Novembers if you have any questions. Thank you. Thank you. And now we're moving on to 4.4, which is public comment. Um, I have not drafted a concise version of what you'll find in the board docs yet. Um, Brad had his kind of down. In the meantime, I think for now I'm just going to read through what's there. Um, so just begin. Um, all public comment um, information cards are to be submitted to the clerk at least 10 minutes prior to the start of the weekly meeting. Um, requests for auxiliary aids and services for persons needing assistance um, can be made with advance notice or to the clerk. Um, and then in general, we have a few reminders to help speakers um, when making your remarks. So we ask that you proceed to the podium when your name is called, share your name and your city of residence, um, the school your kiddos attend if applicable, and the name of any group or organization you are representing. Please limit your remarks to three minutes. And in consideration of everyone's time, please select a group spokesperson to represent your interests, um, or you can pass your name when your name is called if a previous speaker has already expressed your concerns. Written comments and materials can be accepted and should be given to the clerk of the board for distribution, and if you can, provide eight copies. Please make your comments while remaining behind the podium. Complaints regarding students or staff should first be addressed to administration in accordance with board policy KN so that if that procedure has been completed, the board consider whether to hear such complaints in executive sessions since it involves the privacy rights of students or staff. If comments pertain to an item on that meeting's agenda, the board president may ask the superintendent or his or her designee to address those comments at that time or when the item is up for board discussion. Generally, responses from board members during public comment will be limited to clarifying questions. With regard to the three-minute um, time frame, I am going to just provide some clarification um, because I will hold to the three-minute time frame, and the reason I'm going to do that is because I know as an attorney, if you treat someone who's speaking 
in any way differently, that that can be seen potentially as uh, grounds for saying that you limited someone's comments based on ideological reasons, so which would violate the First Amendment. So if I were to let a speaker go past three minutes, even if it's a speaker I agree with and would be interested in hearing what else they had to say, I could then not hold fast to the three-minute rule if someone was up there and speaking something that I didn't agree with because I allowed the person that I wanted to hear continue. You can't treat speakers differently. You have to treat them all the same. So I will hold fast to the three-minute rule. I know Terry has the timer, and I will provide a gentle reminder at that three-minute mark if someone is still speaking to please discontinue at that time simply so that I can be certain that I am being uniform across the board when people speak. So I hope that provides some clarification up front. Um, I certainly don't ever want to intend to upset anyone by cutting them off. It's just in order to prevent liabilities with regards to treating people potentially differently, it's just simpler if I cut everybody off at the three minutes. So with that, we will get started. And our first speaker this evening is Jay Moyer. Jay, are you here? Good evening. One of my favorite quotes is from Benjamin Franklin. When asked if the country our founding fathers had created was a republic or a monarchy, Mr. Franklin responded that our founding fathers had created a republic, if you can keep it. This is my favorite quote because it is simple, yet lays out the entire blueprint for how an effective democracy should run. The United States is not a direct democracy. If it were, you would not be sitting before me today as the Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education. Instead, we have a representative democracy, a system where the people of a certain jurisdiction are represented by those elected. It works to a certain extent, except when it doesn't. I would argue that the way we elect members of the SMSD Board of Education is not appropriate. As the board, you all serve a specific purpose, a duty to students, parents, faculty, and most importantly, teachers in the Shawnee Mission School District. Yet, because community members' tax dollars go towards the school district, people with little to no knowledge of K-12 education issues are allowed to have a say in how the district is run, specifically in how their money is spent. As I sat in this very room last Thursday during fact-finding, and I listened to the legal counsel for SMSD present only the facts that worked in the school district's favor, and twisted words in a feeble and arguably inefficient attempt to seemingly antagonize NEASM, I continually asked myself the question, why is this an issue? Why is the Board of Education so reluctant to pay their teachers what they're asking for? Arguments from SMSD claim that the school district has no money to do so, yet NEASM flawlessly found a way to not only pay teachers, but also help the district stay afloat in the harsh economic environment that is the Kansas K-12 budget. So my question still goes unanswered. Why does this remain an issue? Simply put, the more I sit here week after week, the more it seems as though SMSD has elected officials who only represent the portion of the electorate who would rather be greedy and not have the school district spend money. Yet, as the Board of Education, you have a specific duty to students, parents, faculty, and teachers, whom are arguably the most important of the four on your list of priorities. This school district should be bending over backwards for educators, yet you are pandering to people who will only get you reelected. Let us all pray that the two newly sworn in members of this board care more about these teachers than the majority of the incumbents did, and I just have the greatest feeling on the planet that they will. 
Shawnee Mission is at an extremely low point in its history right now, and the only way it can regain its dignity is by appeasing the requests made by the union. Lastly, every single one of you owes the teachers of Shawnee Mission a grave apology. The way your legal counsel handled the fact-finding session was wildly inappropriate. Dr. Fulton, at the last meeting, you claimed that you love teachers and that they, have a pr that they are a priority of yours. However, the facts are clear. When your legal counsel spoke the other night, teachers were not in the minds of those okay. at the district. Three Thank minutes. you. Thank you. Next, we have Susan Hallstrom. Good evening. My name is Susan Hallstrom, and I'm a science teacher at Shawnee Mission East. Of all the professions in the world that should be collaborative, public education has to be close to number one. The primary reason each board member is serving should be to advocate for our children and the staff who serve the needs of those children. It sometimes appears that too many of the board are influenced by claims made by district administration that falsely proclaims that SMSD cannot afford to increase teacher compensation, that SMSD teachers will have to continue teaching a crushing overload of six classes, and that expenditures of the type that ex include exorbitant amounts for signage, landscaping, and outside counsel for fact-finding, investing in teachers instead of investing in teachers and other key staff. I've heard this referred to as drinking the Kool-Aid. Our district administrators are tasked with providing support to staff who serve our children. It appears that many of our district administrators have forgotten or are choosing to ignore what is important in public education. It appears that many of our district administrators are focused on honoring themselves with large salary increases and fabulous benefits packages, creating a hostile and angry workforce, and on keeping teachers in their place. Teachers deserve your consideration and respect, not your disdain and dismissal. I'm privileged to serve as a member of the KSDE Teacher Vacancy and Supply Committee. We're charged with a number of responsibilities that include developing alternative pathways for licensure in high-need areas, researching why the teaching profession continues to suffer shortages in Kansas, and exploring how to more effectively attract people to and retain people in the teaching profession. I believe my experiences on this committee afford me a unique perspective on several issues facing our state and our district. At our last meeting in Topeka, we spent considerable time discussing why the teaching profession continues to decline as a career people consider viable and desirable. One glaringly obvious reason stems from the fact that about 75% of the teachers in Kansas are women. I have little doubt that if the teachers in this room were 75% male, the issues we are facing would have long since been resolved. I'm sure some of you sitting before us will loudly proclaim that you would never support policies that trivialize the value of and thus suppress women, rob women of their voices, and deny women economic parity. My response will be, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Last topic. I'm incredulous that this district administration and the school board are considering hiring two additional ad district administrators. Unbelievable. Are you focused on filling up Ka, or as we like to call it, the Taj, so wrapped up in your own self-importance that you don't even bother pretend to listen to the community, to parents, to students, and to your teachers? Unacceptable. I hope the board members will say no to the proffered Kool-Aid when considering the addition of even more district staff, district-level administrative staff. Thank you.
Next we have Abigail Anna Williams. Hello, my name is Abigail Anna Starrett Williams. I live in the city of Leawood and I attend high school at Shawnee Mission East. I am a senior this year. Mr. Board, sir, you are too analytical. So, too far analytical, sir. Mr. Board, sir, you see me as a student, sir, like you should, sir, but no, sir. You treat me as a soldier and put me up on your front lines in your battles, sir. These teachers are the rulers of my classroom. They shelter me from you. They do what is best for me and my learning, not necessarily you. Why do you use, abuse, and weaken me, sir? By not funding good teachers, sir. And the classroom supplies they need, sir. In fact, we need them, sir. Why do you punish my classroom savior, sir? Stop beating around the bush, sir. Stop. Stop denying the classroom savior, sir. Stop patting yourselves on the back, sir. These classroom saviors can and will leave you, sir. We are the students who stand for our teachers, sir. They teach us not they teach us and not you, sir. Thank you. And next we have Ms. Leigh Risco. Good evening. I was a Shawnee Mission uh, K-12 student, and I've taught at South for nine years. I knew in second grade that I wanted to be a teacher. While studying at East, I spent afternoons gaining experience as a future educator in ELL classes at Mission Valley and third grade class at Briarwood. I began my high school Spanish teaching career in San Diego in a district where, like most districts, teaching six classes is optional and you are paid to take one for the team. I moved back from San Diego to my Shawnee Mission roots in 2007. A huge factor in my decision was returning to the district that raised me. In the time I have taught Spanish at South, our AP program has grown from seven students to 50. I have been nominated for my building's teacher of the year twice. I have served as a mentor teacher, sponsored numerous clubs in the world languages department chair, but I am no different than my colleagues who I see every single day going way above and beyond for students. But what we are doing is not sustainable and it's not what is best for kids. A colleague told me a couple months ago that she skips bathroom breaks because she knows she'll catch students vaping and she just doesn't have the time to write them up. We no longer have hall supervisors or study hall, which was the district's attempt to save money and a big reason why we teach six classes, which happened overnight. I don't recall an ongoing study to ensure the feasibility and sustainability of moving to six classes. We teachers have analyzed the feasibility for, of six classes for five years and have provided you with numerous examples of how long it takes to grade hundreds of essays. Truly personalized attention is not feasible. When you claim the union's notice did not no identify that they were seeking a move to five sections taught at the secondary level, but rather identified that they were seeking plan time every day, this is evidence that you have no idea what the reality of our workload is. When we teach six sections, this means we don't have a plan period on a block day. This means we are in front of students from 7.40 to 2.40, with the exception of our luxurious 25-minute lunch. To apply what we are learning through deep equity and to meet the strategic plan goals, we must establish and maintain relationships of trust and vulnerability. This takes time, and it takes teachers who are not unsustainably worn thin. I know some of you were not even on the board when these changes took place but you are now. 
You were elected for this very moment, not only to show Shawnee Mission teachers that we are a valuable investment, but to show our legislators and taxpayers that investing in the adults who will carry out the strategic plan is a top priority. You are in a position to restore trust that has been eroded through this process. I beg you to come and truly engage with what is happening in our buildings. And I beg you to use the extra money to reduce workload class sizes and pay the front line that has been taking one for the team for far too long. It looks like our final speaker this evening is Katherine Peterson. Hi, my name is Katie Peterson and I'm a senior at Shawnee Mission East High School. Standing in front of you here today is terrifying. I tremble presenting in a class of 20 students, let alone this full conference room. The only reason why I'm able to be here today is because my teachers inspire me. These are amazing people who work hard every day to ensure my success as well as thousands of other students. If our teachers are overworked or underpaid, it is not only harming the teachers, but the education that I and every other student will receive. These students include my friends, my siblings, and the future of our country itself. Teachers are some of the most important people in our lives. They lead us to important discoveries about ourselves, like what we want to be and what we can do for those around us. This meeting holds a lot of significance. Its outcome may determine if we as students lose our amazing teachers from our school district. And as a result, we lose our opportunities to, to grow, to learn, we lose our important role models, and our outstanding education that everyone should be able to get. Investing in our teachers is investing in our futures and just genuinely great people. I'm here today to encourage the board to do everything they can to help our teachers. Thank you. Um, thank you everyone who spoke this evening um, and who attended and, um, and kept it within the three minutes. Um, I don't know, do you want to give us an update on where we're at in the process really quick in response? Um, Fact-finding was on Thursday and what we can expect moving forward with the process. Sure, just very briefly, uh, fact-finding was on Thursday. We now need to get the report from the fact-finder. Uh, we hope that happens this week. We'll see. Uh, that's, uh, once we get that report, then both sides review it, set a date for uh, negotiations. Uh, continuing negotiations and then at that point they meet and uh, we see what happens next. So that's that's the process. Thank you. So moving on to 5-1 under discussion items, advanced placement and international baccalaureate update um, from Dr. Hubbard. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share some exciting data for us around our AP and IB students at our five high schools. Um, as you all know, high school students have the opportunity to take AP courses at all five high schools. And then currently, Shawnee Mission South, Shawnee Mission North, and Shawnee Mission Northwest all house the IB program as well. So students in uh, West and, sorry, it's not coming to me, South can attend those other three if they choose to go the IB route. Um, Shawnee Mission North will be only offering the program for a few more years as it phase out, phases out due to low enrollment. 
However, Shawnee Mission North kids can still attend one of those other two high schools for the opportunity if they so choose. So I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Grumman, and he's going to share some data with you. Good evening. Uh, the, uh, related to the strategic plan, this, uh, the, the, uh, the data that we're going to, to look at uh, uh, connects with uh, every student uh, mastering essential comp competencies that lead to college and career readiness. So the research question that we're examining here tonight is, is how is our Shine Mission team doing to ensure that every child is college and career ready based on our academic uh, assessment evidence? Um, Shawnee Mission students have multiple opportunities to earn college credit or advanced standing after high school. So, for example, there's the, the college now or dual credit opportunities. There's some career and technical education articulations for advanced standing. The piece that we're going to look at tonight is this uh, the other slice, which we look at advanced placement and international baccalaureate uh, participation and assessment results. So these are, uh, generally speaking, courses that students can take and, and they would take a, a summative assessment at the, at the end of, of each of these courses. So if we look at advanced placement information, thinking along the lines of, of college credit, um, one of the things that, that, that students and their families and counselors have to, have to realize as they're making these choices, whether or not to select uh, AP or, I, or, or IB or, or any of these, is understanding how the credit aligns with um, different colleges. So, so in this example, you can see um, at the University of Kansas, Kansas State, and the University of Arkansas, which uh, we do have a number of students attending uh, each of these schools, um, but they each look at AP credit and, 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 the, and the, the, how the scores relate to college credits in slightly different ways. So, so looking at this, we also have to keep in mind that students, students participate in these, these courses not just to pursue credit, but also just to, to make sure that they're uh, college and career ready, that they're ready for the next level, or maybe they're ready for the same course in the same content area. Um, and sometimes they just love the content, and, and they're going to take the exam regardless. So, um, but those are certainly pieces that, that students have to consider. There's also some fine print in here. So, uh, for example, some of the... Um, Sometimes a particular score won't automatically translate to credit. Sometimes in some colleges, and depending on the subject, you might have to take an additional placement test or exam. So uh, there is some fine print involved in, in, in the, the, the college credit uh, piece of it. As we look at an overview of the uh, assessment results and participation for, uh, for the 2019 school year, so these are students who took AP exams in May of 2019, and, and the, the exam calendar, students are taking all these exams within about a two-week time period or three-week time period during, um, during the month of May. Some students are even taking their AP exams after graduation. We had some scheduled like the day after they, they graduated, for example. We had 2,224 students taking AP courses. Uh, 1,237 students participated in exams, and, and there are 2,081 exams completed. And you can see the, the numbers for each of the respective schools. Um, one of the questions you might ask is, well, what about all those, the students that are taking the course but not taking those, those exams? There's a number of, a lot of our AP courses also offer that College Now dual enrollment. So a number of those students are participating in the College Now aspect of it in, instead. So, um, but that's, that's how the numbers fall out. Um, also, I want to point out that there are some students, students can take an exam without necessarily taking the AP course. Sometimes they find other ways to prepare for the exam. And so we've got some examples here. Uh, approximately 50% of students who um, 
participate in an AP course, uh, take the corresponding AP exam. There's a lot of variance from one subject to the next, um, the, the, from you know between English language arts and, and, and uh, U.S. history, for example. There might be some different different participation percentages. The most popular exams are in English language arts, U.S. history, European history. Calculus AB, which is the equivalent to Calculus One uh, from the from the college perspective, and then and then government. Um, and again, there's a couple of exa examples how how some students might take an AP exam without necessarily taking the course. So we we have some freshmen, for example, who take the AP Human Geography exam. Um, there's, there's not an AP Human Geography course that the, the teacher um, goes goes takes some extra steps with those students to help prepare them for the for the exam. Uh, this is a snapshot of the um, uh, demographic makeup of students who uh, take one or more AP courses. So on the left-hand side, the, the, the pie charts on the left-hand side are the demographic makeup of all students in grades 11 and 12, which is where most of those students are that take those exams. Uh, so among all students, they're about 67% white, 17% Hispanic, and so on. Um, they're 25% uh, uh, receiving free and reduced lunch. Among the students who take one or more AP course, uh, that's a little bit different demographically. About 78% of that group is, is white, 10% Hispanic, 4% black. Um, similarly, there's, there are some differences among the lunch support students, among the students who take um, an, a, an AP course. If we take that same snapshot and look at uh, students taking exams, uh, there, are, there are similar, or there's just, you know, the, the, the differences are Yes, the differences are similar. Um, again, the, the percent of students taking one or more exams is, is there's 80% white, 7% Hispanic, 5% Asian, um, and then about 10% of those students receive free and reduced lunch. One of the things I do want to point out, if I, if I turn back a page, if I'm looking at the percent of the, the demographic makeup of the students taking the course compared to the demographic makeup of the students taking the exams, the course taking and the exam taking are, are quite similar. Um, so where the, where the main difference is in, if we're thinking of participation gap, it's, it's the course taking uh, compared to the, to the population of students in 11th and 12th grade. The next slide contains two graphs. The, the top graph shows the number of exams taken by students since 1994. Uh, so we've come a long ways with, with AP exam participation, and I have to point out that 2081, that's, uh, that's the largest number of exams, I believe, that we have had in Shawnee Mission history in terms of exam participation. Another piece in this history that I think is remarkable is, is around 2008, there was a point at which we, um, we made a decision to, to have students, what we, what we did at that point is said students had to take the exam if they wanted the AP designation to appear on the, on the transcript. That was around 2008. Around 2013, we did discontinued that, that practice, and so we didn't, Students aren't penalized. If they take the course, they get AP on their transcript. We're not, they're not, uh, they don't have that, uh, that condition on there. What's remarkable to me is that AP exam participation has continued to either main, main, remain steady, or in this case from this last year, that exam participation has actually gone up. So um, that, that, that change in, in practice didn't, uh, uh, didn't, didn't change the, the numbers. In fact, the numbers have continued to go up. The uh, the bottom graph shows the uh, the average score 
across all exams. Um, it has been floating down, you know, over the course of, uh, of years. Now it does tend to move up and down depending on the exam participation. Uh, exam, as exam participation goes up, sometimes that, that average score comes down a little bit, and then um, and we're continuing to look at to examine ways to uh, to, to to bring those those averages, keep those averages up, because um, as as you saw in the um, in the in the uh, college credit attainment. For the most part, you need to have a score of three or higher to 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 uh, to receive some kind of credit um, in 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 a in a in a college setting. Uh, this graph shows a comparison of average AP scores uh, between Kansas, Shawnee Mission, and the nation, and um, and and we're we're relatively close. Uh, it might there might be a question about whether any of those differences are significant or not. Um, Shawnee Mission and the state of Kansas have sort of traded places over the years in terms of uh, uh, in terms of where they are in terms of average score. One of the things that you have to think about too with the average AP score is that is the combination of all scores across all subjects and so if um, you know so the the English language composition your American history scores is going to have a stronger a heavier influence on this average uh, one of the things we haven't looked at is is the Shawnee mission mixture of score of test participation the same mixture as, as as across the state of Kansas or across the nation but that can have an influence too um, if you have a more difficult test that has an increase in participation um, and, and you have a, a, a test that's maybe historically looks a little bit easier and if that mixture changes that can have an influence on this total average as well um, moving into the uh, international baccalaureate data, some, some background in international baccalaureate because that's the one that's a little less familiar uh, in part because we, we don't offer it at all five high schools, is that it, it's based on a European model um, that um, it, 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 when students are taking an IB course, it, it looks a little, uh, takes a little bit more holistic approach. There's a, probably a stronger emphasis on uh, performance tasks, writing uh, is, is, is heavily, uh, heavily emphasized in the IB courses. Um, and students have an opportunity to earn uh, an IB diploma in which they would have to, in order to earn that IB diploma, the full diploma, they would have to complete uh, courses and tests in six different subjects and they have to fill certain buckets in addition to um, some hours of, of, uh, of creative action, subservice activities and participation in a theory of knowledge class uh, and, and so on. So it's, it's a highly, highly rigorous program to, to complete the diploma and, and in may, many cases students may have to sacrifice some electives in the process so and we'll be looking at numbers there. Students can also choose to participate in one or more IB courses, just individual courses just like they do with AP. Um, those are known as I, um, IB certificate students um, and as we look at the numbers of IB students, you have students that combine diploma and certificate students and then the diploma group, it tends to be a little bit smaller in part of partly because of some of the choices they have to make in their, in, in, in their scheduling. So uh, this graph shows multiple pieces here. First, the, the, the blue uh, line going across the top is the number of exams that, that students have, have taken over um, over since 2011. Total of my, that's exam participation. So a student may take more than one IB exam. In fact, most students, especially if they're a diploma student, they might take five IB exams in, in, in a given year. 
The middle line, the, the black line, uh, which you, you see is labeled as SMSD DIPCAN, those are the Shawnee Mission, just the Shawnee Mission diploma candidates. So that's a subgroup of students who, who uh, would earn that diploma over time. The global average is the purple line, which is about a 4.7. The scale is on a zero. Um, the scale for IB exams is, is one to seven. Um, and of which a score of four or higher would be generally associated with um, earning that college credit uh, for colleges that recognize IB exams. And then the red line at the, at the bottom is the average of all uh, Shawnee Mission uh, exams. One of the things I want to also point out is, is when you have your diploma candidates, that average doesn't pull through until the student's senior year. Um, they're, 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 there's a different label, I think, when they're when they're a junior, but but that's where the, we get the diploma candidate averages. Whereas the uh, average among all is is all your juniors and seniors that are taking those exams over that time. So this chart um, talks about again the the IB students, which includes not only your diploma candidates but your other students who choose to take one or more IB courses. Um, and that is actually that is is as of last year's um, at an all time high among students participating in the courses. The diploma candidates has been uh, relatively steady at, at around 50 or 54 students in this case. And the number of students who earned their diploma uh, in 2019 was, was 44. Students have to earn a, like I said, there's a minimum total score across all of their exams, plus the other criteria that they have to meet in order to earn that diploma. Our final slide shows the demographic makeup of the um, students taking IB courses. Uh, another thing I want to point out is, is that students, if you take an IB course, you're obligated to participate in the exam in part because of the exam structure. You have an internal assessment, which is a, like a performance test that the teacher grades and it's integrated within the curriculum. And then there's also that end of year uh, uh, exam and those, those get com combined together for the student's final score. Um, but this is the makeup of, of all students in grades 11 and 12 compared to uh, student participation in those IB courses. And I stand for any questions. Anyone have any questions? Oh, yes, Dr. Sinclair. <laughs> um, thank you. I have one question about the, the evaluation um, structure. Thank you for this information. Mm -hmm. Is it, um, has there been consideration, and maybe this is a question for Dr. Fulton, of looking at the AP credits um, in terms of a percentage of kids who score three and above that pass rate that allows them to earn credit at the university um, in addition to providing kind of the trend on average score? Yeah, we very much view this as a baseline report. Okay. And I think, you know, we kind of started this process last year, and there's, there's a lot more okay. unpacking to do as to okay. why are some students taking it and others not. Um, and also, as we begin to look at other options beyond just IB and AP, for students such as uh, career ed certifications, that too enters into the data that we want to collect and report on in the future. Okay. But in short, yes. And and the metric, you're, the the percent of three or four, that is in a more detailed report that I have available as well. Okay. So I just did, didn't put the slide in here. Thank. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you probably have. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, uh, Excel files and charts and graphs galore that that are behind all the data here. Uh, could I ask another question though, um, Dr. Fulton, you mentioned about why are kids accessing or not. Um, so the other two pieces are, um, I'm, am I correct in assuming that we provide transportation from the high schools to the, uh, those kids who don't have it at their high school or 
that is not something we're able to provide like we do for the signature programs. Come, come on up. Why don't you come on up? Sorry. So we do not provide okay. transportation to the other high schools. Okay. So it's not like we do for the signature programs. We're not able to do that in that piece. So that would be a budget. It would be a budget item. Fiscal impact to consider that. Um, lean to Dr. Atha here. I, I think it could absolutely be considered. I think it could be something we could consider in the future. You know, and that's I, that's actually, I think, as we go into our real world learning task force work, it'd be just a full transfer. That is, yeah. that's a... Right. That is a that is a uh, uh, an issue that we're going to have to discuss is how do we provide equitable access to all students to a variety of programs. Mm -hmm. Now some of these can be offered at the high school level, or I mean at their home high school rather. But it's very difficult to offer everything at a at one comprehensive high school. You're going to have to have center-based programs like the ones that we have here mm -hmm. or in other locations. So. That's gonna that's gonna be a um, an issue of designing the programs, providing access to the programs, and then making sure that we can afford what it is that we start. Okay. And and I would just add to that that we have a lot of programs. Now we're talking about IB and AP specifically right now, where kids are not transported. That if we're gonna look, we should be looking across all of those areas: auto, welding. Um, Sure, I'm missing some others, but off the top of my head, we have several that um, we are not currently doing. Okay, thank you. Um, Reverend Guy? So do we have any data yet on why um, Hispanic and black students are so underrepresented in these? Do we know yet if it has something to do with um, the financial? Obligations, because isn't there an additional fee for AP? There, well, so there is a there is a fee as associated with participating in either any of those uh, uh, programs. So uh, an AP exam is about a hundred dollars per student, an IB exam is about a hundred twenty dollars per student. Um, we principals try to, as much as they possibly can, make make sure that that. Finances are not a barrier for students that are interested in, in, in those in those courses. So, um, so I'm, I'm you know I'm sure they they, they look for ways. Um, it, the College Board for AP exams has a has a fee waiver available. It's, I don't think it's a it's a fee reduction. Um, so there are ways to to make sure that that's um, that's not a barrier. Um, but there's a number of other complex issues, even looking, you know, looking in the in the in the pipeline for for students. For example, one of the things we should be looking at is, you know, in order for a student to take like the IB SL math course as a junior, they need to be in Algebra two by the time they're a sophomore, Geometry as a freshman. So some of these demographic differences, we have to we have to look further back in terms of you know student readiness as well. So. Um, so there's, you know, there's there's a, a number of things to consider as we as we look at this from a, on a student by student basis. But these 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 gaps appear, um, uh, you know, in, in in other ways. The, another thing we have to think about is is student college aspirations and what they're, um, you know, are they are they expecting to go? You know, is that is that something that's in their mindset too that we that that we need to continue to work on? Is is that um, this like the the the, the this you know? Wanting to make sure or feel like um, that your dreams can come true, kind of thing that we t we heard earlier. So, um, it's a it's a complex question. 
I just want to add this particular school year, so it's not reflected in this data, we took um, the financial cost of any AP course really off the table. We told okay. principals that that's not a barrier talk to us and I've worked with two high schools already to make sure that kids are aware of that and that we are um, if a kid can't pay for the AP course that's not going to be a barrier and I know sometimes that's a chicken and egg problem in terms of um, if those underrepresented students don't see people in their demographic group represented in those classes, um, then they don't have that idea that that could be something for them as well. And so we've got to somehow break that cycle early enough um, to help all kids understand that this is a path they could all pursue and there shouldn't be any barriers um, to and doing that. And also that I just don't enroll because I'm, I can't pay the fee. And right. so right. We, we need to break that barrier as right. well. Okay, right. thank you. Yep. Jamie, did you have a question? Well, just to kind of piggyback off what you said, yes, the um, the rates between non-white between white students and non-white students is is heartbreaking, um, mm -hmm. as well as the kiddos um, with free and reduced lunches. Um, you know, we went to title school for nine years, and um, you know, I can see their faces, and I, it just is heartbreaking that they're. I just would like, to, I know the strategic plan is addressing diversity and inclusion, and I want to make sure that academics are mm -hmm. a key part of that um, because it, this is personal, right? Because these are my kids' friends. And um, so I want to make sure that with the strategic plan being so heavily weighted to diversity and inclusion, there's a strong component to academics in that um, and making sure that we're setting all students up you know, for success regardless of color. and. <clears throat> I, I can assure you that it absolutely is uh, an important part of our diversity conversation. And in the training, we have begun to look at both academic and behavioral data to make sure that we are building equitable uh, approaches to learning that invite all kids into the opportunity for success. And this is where it, this becomes really important because these issues aren't solved at just the high school level. Sure. You have to start way back in the elementary years with both access to uh, rigorous academics. Uh, if kids start off behind, if children start off behind in the learning, then you have to have a plan to get them to a point where they can successfully engage in rigorous coursework at an early enough point in their academic history where they have the opportunity to take these kinds of classes. And that only happens if we're paying close attention to the data and also doing everything we can to help support every child in their learning. And it's a big lift, it's a big lift for teachers. Um, and this is gonna take a lot of uh, work over time to do our very best to help every child be successful in their learning. Are there any additional questions from anyone else? Um, Jessica? Just one. Um, I'm just curious to know with all of the data that we've gathered, um, if there's any specific plans that we plan to make based on what we've seen here, I, I share a lot of the concerns about the inequity between our broader student population and who's showing up in AP and IB. I'm just curious if there's anything on the like near horizon that we're planning to do to address those issues. So yes, removing barriers obviously are the things that we can do right now at the high school level, but. The, the biggest intervention that we have and that we're looking at right now is through the Kauffman Foundation and we're working through Kauffman 
for a grant that we will be pitching basically Shark Take style um, in May, our proposal. And we have a team of about 50 members um, representing all five high schools, uh, pre-K-12, that are, is working on that idea now. And it will be measuring um, five areas. I'm going to try to pull them off the top of my head here. Kids enrolled in AP and IB courses, advanced placement, college credit, uh, internship opportunities for kids, market value assets, so uh, leaving high school with some market value asset. Maybe that's my CNA, so I can work as a CNA while I'm in college. Maybe that's a um, some sort of auto certification, but we're looking at all those now, HVAC possibly, plumbing. And so, um, but it's also looking very specifically at college credit as well as the CTE pathway. So we'll be pitching that idea, really looking to, um, and, and while it's a grant specific for high school, we're actually looking pre-K-12 to bring it through the system. So that's our biggest intervention that we're working on right now as a team. I'm missing anything, Darren? So internships and entrepreneurships, and they're defined by Kaufman of what that has to look like. And just currently, we have 25% of our kids graduating from high school with one of those five, at least one of those five aspects. So we'll be looking to significantly increase that number. I think I, I have a question, if everybody else is good. Um, so I know right now it, kids are meeting with their counselors to plan their, their course load for the upcoming school year. And so if you are a kiddo um, interested in participating in these classes, um, you will get that information, I am presuming, from your counselor at that time that there is an opportunity for financial assistance so that you don't have to cover the expense of the test. I'm, like, Do we provide them with that when we meet with them and let them know? You don't need to worry about the expense. We can we can put you in communication with people that can cover that for you. Or how does that? Is there a standard practice for that? I I can't answer that, but I'll get an answer for you. Great. And then um, I guess for all the parents watching at home right now who may be assisting their children with that process, here's a heads up that if you just quickly Googled like AP in the district and you found like the AP presentation, um, you can get financial assistance for that. So if the first thing you see is that it's $100 for the exam, please know that that is, should not be a barrier in your consideration for that right now. Um, so I, I just know that you know, for those kids that are looking to sign up, if they, if they haven't had an opportunity to hear that or if they don't, they don't know that, they might not if, we're not, if we don't have that out there publicly or you can do a quick Google search. And again, I will I will find an answer for you and get it to you. I can speak as a parent at Shawnee Mission Northwest at at enrollment night. There was a specific session in addition to enrollment information around AP and IB and any um, college now courses. And it was absolutely very clear that if finances are an issue, that there was a plan to help you assist with that. So. I can speak as a parent from Shawnee Mission Northwest. So I, I'm going to assume right now all five high schools are doing something like that, but we'll get you an answer. I'm the bad parent who can never make it to my own kids' events because I'm at every other event in the district. And so if my kid went to enrollment night without me and didn't want to have to take an AP course and then didn't provide me with any additional information that I would think useful in pushing them to do so, <laughs> 
I mean, I just, I know if I come in and I see information, I'm like, oh, this is good, you should do that. Um, there might be another parent out there who is also a bad parent like me who didn't go but would push their kid to do it if they knew that it was covered. So my apologies to my children for always being absent at board activities. Um, thank you very much, both of you, for your presentation this evening. Um, moving on to the consent agenda, item six. Um, before we do this, is there anyone who would like to remove something from the consent agenda? I would move approval of uh, 6.01, approval of consent items. Second. So moved by Sarah and seconded by Laura. All those in favor say aye. 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 And that's unanimous. Moving on to item seven. Uh, seven one, the approval of the construction contracts for roof improvements. Yes, I'm going to have Dr. Atha address this, this uh, item. Yes, uh, the district has need to repair and partially replace uh, uh, roofing at three of our schools in the district. Uh, we are recommending approval of Delta Roofing as the low qualified bid for the roofing repair and replacement at Brookridge Elementary as well as Shawnee Mission South High School. Also to approve Cornell Roofing as a low qualified bid for roofing repair and replacement at Trail Ridge Middle School. Again, I can't emphasize enough, this is not total roof replacement. Otherwise the cost would be much higher. But the projected cost of this project is $3,019,643 and included in that is a 5% contingency build in and if approved, this project will be paid out of bond and capital outlay. I have uh, with Bob Robinson, our executive director of facilities with us this evening, and between Bob and I, we will attempt to respond to any of your questions. I have a question that feels like a very newbie question, but I'm gonna ask it. Um, when we're thinking about these kinds of purchases that are for roofs or trucks or other equipment for the district, how do we think about um, energy efficiency and whether we're buying the products that are going to be best for our operating budget in the long run. So something like a roof, how do we think about what that needs to look like? Well, yeah, when we went into our new schools, we kind of evaluated different types of roofs and, and our main roof spec is a derby gum spec, but it's not really what I would consider a green roof. It does have some green roof aspects to it, but uh, what we looked at dollar-wise was cost for going green and your payback over the life of the roof uh, is not quite there yet. We also looked at solar and solar's kind of, kind of in the same boat. We were able as a district to do some wind with Evergy, which is KCP&L, in, in their big contract. But other than that, most of this is, is not non, what I'd say non-green or, or not real green. But that's like an assessment we make every time we're thinking about these kinds of calculations. Well, we, we do that every time some different technology comes up. We don't, we don't have to do that every time when we're doing roofs unless something has changed since the last time we did a roof. Thank you. You're welcome. I do want to emphasize, too, we will be doing uh, a program budget evaluation of facilities. You will get that presented to you toward the end of the year. And within that evaluation, you will see um, what we're doing out there to conserve energy. 
you'll start seeing what we will be doing or what we would like to do and what we will be doing in the future, you know. Um, but you're trying to balance technology with efficiency, cost savings, and it's a difficult balance. It's a difficult balance, but we certainly value and, and really want to look at uh, being as green as possible uh, moving ahead. We brought an energy uh, manager person on board in July, started looking at all utilities. We went back the last two years on our utilities and tracked where we were at with that. Uh, in that process, we've tried to adjust schedules within our building of when the HVAC is running, and we're starting to see some significant savings. We hope by June that we'll be able to bring a report that we'll look at you know, somewhere between 2 and 5% savings that we think we can get out of this program. Mostly on electrical cost. Thank you. So I guess what I'm saying is more later. <laughs> is there anyone else? All right, let's take a motion to approve the construction contract. So moved. Second. Uh, moved by Sarah, seconded by Mary. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? <coughs> no? Moving on to 7-2, approval of the pre-kindergarten tuition funding. Yes, I'm going to have uh, Dr. Leanne Neal come up, and uh, she'll be joined by Dr. Hubbard. You know, Dr. Neal is, uh, took over duties this year as Billy Childhood Principal, and she kept all the duties that she had previously for the most part. That was part of our administrative cost-cutting, so I want to publicly acknowledge that and thank you for all of your great work. Uh, she has done a lot of uh, a wonderful job on trying to address the issue of pre uh, kindergarten tuition to try to make it as cost neutral as possible. We started that process last year and we're, this is a continuation of that process so I'm going to turn it over to her. Thank you very much. Um, as you know, uh, first of all, thank you for the support that you have given uh, to allow us to expand and to provide um, a robust pre-kindergarten program in Shawnee Mission to try to meet the needs of um, a broad range of our families. To do that, as you are aware, we do um, braid, as Dr. Fulton um, mentioned, kind of braid our funding from a variety of sources. Um, most of our programs are no-fee programs um, where families have to meet some kind of a qualifier, what you would think of as typically an at-risk qualifier. But knowing that families um, that didn't meet those qualifiers also were in search of really high-quality pre-kindergarten programming, you all were very supportive of us um, also putting forward a fee-based or a tuition-based pre-kindergarten option for our families, which has been very well received. And so um, as we continue to look at that, um, we want to continue to be able to provide the highest quality programming that we can. We want to make sure, though, that um, our fees are covering um, the um, instructional costs as well as the um, um, materials costs. And so, as you may recall, in February, I think it was February 11th at that board meeting, 2019, we brought forward to you sort of a two-phase um, tuition increase plan. Um, you approved that first phase. And so we're here this evening to ask you to um, move forward, um, to consider moving forward with that second phase. And so that will bring, um, in 2018-19, we had the 
uh, tuition was $2,550. This year, um, that first phase increased the uh, tuition fees to $2,950. What we are asking you to consider is that second phase, which would bring our tuition fees to $3,350 for the 2020-2021 school year. Anyone have any questions? Um, Dr. Sinclair? Um, uh, thank you for that report. Um, did we have a change of enrollment among those um, fee, those families who were kind of met the, the requirement or the, the, to pay the fees? Or it, I guess didn't meet the qualifications for fee waivers. So of those fee paying families, did we have a change in enrollment? when we put the phase one um, adjustment in place. We did not really see a significant change. If you um, want um, a perspective in terms of what that cost, um, how that cost impact is over time, so if you go back to that 2018-19 fee, if you want to think about it in terms of like a daily cost, um, it was about $15 a day. This year's fee increase brought it to about $17.35 a day. With this third phase of increase, it still remains under $20, so it's less than a $5 overall um, increase with those tuition phase in. So it's like $19.70 a day when you look at it that way. We do um, bill it incrementally uh, in 10 installments for families. That's typical. So it would be, um, if you approve this second phase in, it would be $335 for a month. That's five days a week, half-day programming. Um, we, of course, work with our schools, work with families. So if they needed to break that into a like a two-week installment, we sort of do that on an individual basis. But to answer your original question, we did not see or hear a significant um, feedback on that. I think we've done some dipstick checking of other programs. And so, um, you know, we are a half-day program, so families that need a full-day care still, um, they can work with our third-party provider for that wraparound care at um, the schools where we're able to provide that. Um, and we still believe that we um, are competitive when we sort of looked at what the area preschool um, costs are uh, for those kind of those full-day or half-day programs, even with this increase. We hate, you know, we want to try to remain competitive because when we began this, that was, um, we wanted to try to just make sure we were covering our base costs. Um, you know, we're not here to make a profit. We're just here to try to provide access um, for um, as many families as we can. Increase. We did add a section at Brookwood this year of tuition-based. So um, we had uh, tuition sites were Benninghoven, Briarwood, Brookwood, Highlands, Lenexa Hills, and Trailwood this year. Okay. So enrollment either remained the same or increased, it sounds like. Yes, with the okay. addition of an additional. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Any additional questions? Uh, Ms. Goodburn? Um, <coughs> Dr. Neal, if I remember rightly, part of what precipitated this was that we had a grant that when we started with pre-K that continued on and then we lost that grant funding and that's part of what precipitated this? Am I speaking out of turn? I think you're thinking of our Jumpstart to Learning program where we had that significant grant. We okay. still, um, our no-fee um, programming for pre-kindergarten is um, funded through uh, two different grants with the state, the four-year-old at risk um, funding and then also the um, KPP. Um, those are the two grants that we write for each year. And okay, fortunately, so it wasn't for this then? Mm -mm. Okay, thanks. Okay, Jamie. 
Uh, Dr. Neal, have you heard that the increase in the intuition will be an issue for any of the parents um, that are currently have a kiddo enrolled? I have not. You know, um, we did announce, as I said back in February, we were very upfront and open that this was what we were bringing to you um, to recommend if we were going to make the increase that would f more fully cover those costs. Um, it was you know, it would have stepped it up from 2550 to 3350 which we felt was a significant jump within a single year. And so that's why we really proposed that two, um, over two-year phase in. Um, I, you know, I have not. Um, certainly, could it be a barrier for some families? I'm sure it could be. Um, but again, we try our best to work with, with families if they need a different kind of a payment plan um, to break that down into installments. Um, and I know that our third-party providers, um, we have uh, Johnson County Parks and Rec and YMCA as the other half day, they structure their programs, um, each one structures it a little bit differently, but I think one of them has like a sliding scale and the other one offers some scholarship opportunities. So um, we've kind of tried to stay um, um, encouraging with them and ask them to really um, look at trying to keep their costs as competitive as possible for that other half day so we can provide that full complement for families that need that full care plus a before and an after session as well. And I just wanted to say, I recently toured um, the Early Education Center, and it's fabulous. Um, beautiful facility, great windows. Um, the teachers were so engaging with the students. And I just encourage the Shawnee Mission community, if you know any um, families that have young kids, please look at the Shawnee Mission Early Childhood Center. It's, it's a really great center, um, not only for kids that may have special needs, but also for peer students. And I don't know if you want to maybe speak to that for a second, um, but it's really important that we get the word out in our community that we have this fantastic um, pre-K resource available um, in, in, our in our district. Thank you. Yes, so um, we have um, 20 classrooms of pre-K across 18 elementary schools, and then we also have the Early Childhood Center. And as I mentioned, our pre-K sites are five days a week for those half-day programs at the Early Childhood Center, um, where we serve um, just under 200 students. And as you mentioned, we have about two-thirds of those um, students who have an individualized education plan and about a third that are peers attending with them. Um, and that's an important opportunity for them to um, um, be with peers, to see that modeling and um, it's also a great leadership uh, flip opportunity for those peers as well. So um, we encourage, you know, we try to have a lot of different programming to try to fit the needs um, of as many families as we can. So thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, I don't see any additional questions, so I'll seek a motion to approve. Make a motion. A second. Okay, moved by Mary and seconded by Brad. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any nays? Okay, passes unanimously. Moving on to 7-3. Thank you very much. Um, sorry, I should have said thank you before we voted. My apologies, Leanne. Um, number 7-3, bid for utility pickup trucks. Yes, and Dr. Eighth is going to provide an overview of this item as well. Yes, um, the district has needed to uh, purchase um, three utility pickup trucks. Uh, for a total price of $158,877. Uh, Shawnee Mission Ford uh, price matched the state of Kansas contract pricing. Um, and this expenditure, if approved by the board this evening, will come out of capital outlay funds. Um, 
I do want to emphasize to you that we only had one bid on for these three pickup trucks. Uh, these pickup trucks will be, be used for snow removal and multipurpose needs throughout the district, but primarily for snow removal. It's unusual for us to have only one bid, but it does happen from time to time. When we received only one bid, we did go out and compare pricing of what it cost us to purchase trucks like this in the past. We found this price was in line with what we the cost of purchasing trucks like this in the past. But more importantly, it does align and does match with the state contract, which allows us to purchase this. We, we could have purchased it based upon one bid, but ideally you want competitive bidding out there to get the very best price. Uh, uh, with that said, um, you know, Bob Robinson we, and I will try to answer any additional questions that you may have. Anyone have any questions? Reverend Guy? Can you tell us um, the age and mileage of the trucks that will be replaced with these new ones? We are going to, um, we have three vans, um, and they are heavy-duty vans that are used uh, to transport tools and the like throughout the district. Those vans um, are going to come out of service, and uh, one of those bands is a 2004. It has 85,000 miles on it, and we've, we've had ongoing maintenance problems with it. We also have a 2006 band, 112,000 miles, and again, ongoing maintenance problems with it, and we need to take it out of the fleet. And finally, we have a 2007 van that has only 60,000 miles on it, but it was wrecked and cannot be repaired. Uh, we will sell these three vans at uh, a surplus sale through Purple Wave. Um, matter of fact, we sold some vehicles recently and some other items, and we've had pretty good success of uh, selling things like this through, through Purple Wave online. Um, the money generated from that sale uh, will go back into capital outlay because that's how these vehicles will be purchased and to kind of offset the cost of these vehicles that you're that hopefully you will purchase this evening that answer your question yes okay. thank you does anyone else have any questions I have a question if you could um, either of you explain I had um, asked you know what about purchasing vehicles that would begin to work towards having a sustainable fleet as opposed to vehicles that are not considered sustainable and um, we delayed this coming onto the agenda as that process was looked into. Could one of you give a recap on that so that board members who may be interested and maybe the community who might be interested on that as an issue could hear? Sure. We looked at CNG, which we have uh, five vehicles now that we purchased six or seven years ago. The problem we have with these particular vehicles, because they're in our snow fleet, is the, the, the there's only three areas that you can fill NCG up, natural gas vehicles, and 
only one of them seems to work for us. I don't, I don't know what the difference is in the type of valve that they use. But uh, here about a month ago, it was down for two weeks, and we wasn't able to get any, any fuel during that period. So why, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like CNG has caught on in this area. A lot of areas, it's, it's going real well, but in our area, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be uh, the case. Uh, the cost for CNG ranges from twenty-five to $35,000 additional per vehicle to uh, put that on and there's only as we understand it there's only one mechanic in Chevy and Ford that that works on those so it just doesn't seem to be, be catching on in this area cost savings there is some cost savings uh, based on 10,000 miles a year you would probably save uh, around $300 a year in fuel cost but by the time you offset that on the uh, cost of converting them, it would take a few years to get that cost savings back. Um, one of the things that I was told, I think a week ago, is that because these are uh, snowplow vehicles, that if we did need to clear snow to ensure that we had school, um, the refueling necessary would cut into the time that would allow us to get uh, approximately 100 or 150 miles is what you would get out of a tank full of uh, the CNG and the, the, the fear was that if we were in the middle of the night you know a lot of times snow removal starts at midnight or two o'clock in the morning that we wouldn't be able to get to the station and get them filled up and get back on the site so that was a, a concern also thank you you're welcome anybody else Okay, seek a motion to approve. I would move to approve. Sarah, move to approve. Second. Is that Reverend Guy? Mm -hmm. Okay, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay, moving on to 7-4, approval of board meeting dates. Yes, uh, this is actually an item that's uh, now required by Kansas, and so we simply have to approve our board meeting dates for the remainder of the year at this meeting. Okay. Move approval. Sarah? Second. second. Um, we'll let Brad, Brad got to second. <coughs> that was so exciting, Brad. <laughs> All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Nope. Okay, 7-5, approved purchase, 95% advanced phonics lesson library. Okay, yes, uh, Darren Dev Dennis is going to come up and give a brief explanation of this item. Uh, this was moved into actions because there was a question on its, uh, what that's for. And so he has an explanation for you. Okay. Um, good evening. Thanks for the opportunity to address this. Um, this is a request for support for Advanced Phonics Lesson Library. It stems from a need that we identified two or three years ago uh, when a recognition that we needed to do more to support students who come to us uh, with dyslexia. It started with that and it really has broadened out into a broader discussion of uh, reading instruction in general and the need to align to the current state of research and an understanding of what science, how science says that children learn to read. Um, we've researched and we engaged uh, after that process 95% group and we've been working with them over the past year, maybe a little bit more than that to provide materials and provide professional learning uh, to our staff. Uh, we've also been working in collaboration with our colleagues in special education. We've worked with a consultant as well. Um, and so this has been a, a high priority for us. 
We found that 95% group provides high quality materials and that they're, um, we've had very positive response from staff who've gone through their professional learning experiences and, and this really is part of our long-term commitment to working on uh, improving uh, students reading uh, who come to us with dyslexia. At the same time this was happening, I want to make sure that you're aware that the State Board of Education has recently uh, passed some new mandates that relate to this. And so the um, work that we've been doing over the past two years or so really falls in line with what is now being mandated by the State Board of Education. So they're requiring, for example, uh, I've written down some of the, the new rules. Uh, that we specifically identify dyslexic students, that we are utilizing structured literacies, an explicit uh, evidence-based approach to teaching literacy to all students, that we're promoting early intervention in dyslexia, that we have professional learning aligned to these practices to support dyslexic students, uh, and they're even changing the licensure requirements for um, new teachers coming out for elementary grade levels as well as English language arts, special ed, and reading endorsements. So while we still have a lot of work to do, uh, we feel like these efforts are very much in line with where the, the research says that we need to be and in line with the new State Board of Education requirements. Uh, I'd also like to acknowledge that Darcy Swan is here tonight and she is the curriculum coordinator who is most uh, deeply involved in this work with dyslexia. So with that, I would uh, request approval and be glad to answer any questions. And Jamie? Thank you. I am so happy to hear that this is an area that we're offering to our students in the Shawnee Mission School District. Um, and a huge shout out to a Shawnee Mission mom who helped um, b play a big role in the new State Board of Education mandates for dyslexia. So that's pretty special for us as well. Um, so with the phonics program, is this something that all kids in Shawnee Mission will be able to benefit from or, or how does this look? It would benefit all students in that this is, this is really part of an intervention program. So any student who exhibits the needs uh, based on the screeners that we that we have would be benefited by this. Okay. Come on in. Good evening. We do have some um, building sites that are using this to supplement core if their classroom data uh, indicates that there is a need for more intensive um, phonics and phonemic awareness instruction. Um, I'm also uh, facilitating the RTI Strategic Planning Committee and I know that we will be looking at um, our reading intervention protocol. Uh, and making sure that we leave no, no gap uh, in terms of looking at skill deficits for kiddos. 95% um, group, obviously we've, we've worked really hard with them um, in getting a lot of diagnostics in place for kids. So we're looking at diagnostics for phonemic awareness, for phonics, and then the materials that we're purchasing align with those diagnostics to make sure that we are meeting kids where they are in closing gaps and having um, that diagnostic in place really helps us have that marker for early identification for students with any reading issue, uh, even if it's not dyslexia. So we wanna make sure that it is part of our tiered support system, but it also can support our core instruction. 95% uh, group also offers quite a bit of professional learning for our teachers, and this professional learning has really been um, moving the needle on conversations around literacy. We're talking structured literacy. We are talking what it means to be explicit and systematic uh, in our instruction, and that has really been huge for us. Um, I know that 
Christina Middleton uh, is that mom that you're referring to. She attended a training that we had. I sat side by side with her prior to the work of the state uh, dyslexia task force. And she said, this is definitely you know, on the right track. This is the way to go. This is really going to make great strides for kiddos in Shawnee Mission. Thank you for that feedback. Anybody else? No? Okay. So let's take a motion to approve. Move to approve. Second. Um, Ms. Jamie, who moved in. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Anybody opposed? No? Thank you. Okay. Um, before we move on to comments from board members, Brad passed me a note to point out that I made a mistake, which is fine. But I, I forgot to have us vote on a SMAC representative, and we had nominations for that. And so is it possible, you know, Sarah is kind of our procedural guru, is it possible to go back and do it, even though I, I mean, we've moved on with the agenda? Can we I'll backtrack to that? Sure. We better. All right. Yeah, we got to, right? Okay. Well, thank you for giving me permission to do that. Um, so we had two people nominated for the SMAC position. I believe it was both Jessica and Jamie. Um, was there anyone else who wanted to be nominated for the SMAC position? Okay, and I will ask you both, Jessica, would you like to serve in the capacity as, as a SMAC liaison? I will decline the opportunity to Jamie, who is like a smack lifer. Okay. Well, uh, uh, do you, would you accept this opportunity to be the smack liaison? Sure, I would be honored. Thank you. Okay, excellent. So um, I guess I will move for another consensus vote for Jamie, as long as there's no one else who wants to do it. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. 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 All right. Well, congratulations to our new smack liaison, Ms. Borgman. Okay, thank you, Brad, for that call. I got distracted in thinking it, of... It was our board clerk who's always on top of everything that <laughs> noticed that. Thank you, Terry. It's appreciated. Um, okay, so now we're moving on to board comments. Um, does anyone have any comments this evening? Sarah? I just want to quickly um, give a shout-out to Mr. Stratton, who has led us for these past two years and now has switched chairs and gone out of leadership. I just really appreciate your leadership and... Um, your um, notes to us and reminders and your um, uh, the way you conducted yourself at the meetings and um, your leadership and presence in the community. I really um, appreciate that. Just wanted to give you a shout out. I, I've, I've been there. I know how it is. And I know that you're probably really glad to be where you're at now too. Thank you and I'm willing to share. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Sinclair? I was just going to I'd like to add to um, those comments and just to thank you for all the work you've done to build and create an infrastructure for stakeholder involvement in our in the Shawnee Mission community. I think that was a big um, uh, significant input from you has led to that our capacity to really engage so many different community members as we move forward. So thank you for that. Reverend Guy. Along those same lines, um, I want to thank everyone who applied to be on the Finance and Facilities Committee. Uh, the deadline for that was, I believe, December 31st or January 1st. Um, my understanding is we were waiting until the new board members were seated to move forward and that um, we hope to have that committee in place. So I know people have been asking me when will we hear something, and so I just wanted to let you know that uh, we were waiting for the new board members and that we hope to have that committee put together within the next couple of weeks. So we'll 
give information about that hopefully very soon. Anyone else? Uh, Jamie? I love just recognizing people and the amazing jobs that they're doing um, in our district. Um, so a couple shout outs and if you have any shout outs um, that you would like for me to make to a teacher or to a student or something, feel free to pass it along. But a couple things really quick, the Shawnee Mission Northwest Lady Cougar basketball team is currently undefeated. And so um, I just wish them all the best in the second half of the season. Um, and then also would like to give a huge shout out to an instructional coach, um, um, Coach Dre, who goes to multiple schools across the Shawnee Mission School District and really does a great job of connecting with students, and he makes me just so proud of the people that we have within our district. Anybody else? Um, well, I guess I'll give my closing comments then if no one else has any. I, I too, wanted to thank um, President Stratton. Um, I know, you know, two years ago, um, there was a laundry list of things that the board was tasked with getting accomplished, um, and you did a pretty good job of, of checking off a laundry list of things. Um, you know, from updating the nutrition policy to creating the finance and facilities task force, which was a issue of significant concern in the 2017 race, um, and being willing to serve for two years um, during pretty hectic time. So. Uh, thank you for your service. It's appreciated. Um, thank you for reminding me to appoint a SMAC person. Also appreciate it. Um, and thank you to the new board members and the current, the longstanding board members. Um, it's a pleasure to serve with you. I look forward to this. Um, and I'm going to ask you for your grace in advance again as we move forward. So thank you everyone for attending tonight. And we'll move, we'll have Mary move us into. Um, executive session with a, if we can take a five minute break between this and the executive session. Okay, so you want me to just read each three? I'll, or we're going to do one we'll at do a time. One. So we'll do one and we need to come back after the first one. So we'll just, for the first executive session, we'll need what? Um, if, it, if we put five minutes on top of that, then 15 minutes for that. Is that right? So we're at 825. Eight, yeah, we'll meet back in here at 825. Okay, so I move we go into executive session to discuss personnel issues pursuant to the non-elected personnel exception under coma, and the board will reconvene in the boardroom at 825. I'll second it. I'll second it. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone who's in attendance this evening. We'll see you at the next meeting. <laughs>